Okay, good morning. Good morning to all of you and a happy new year. <coughs> good to be here with you. The last day of the year. <coughs> next two Sundays we're going to be on vacation we're going to miss you we do any time that we're not here if we miss a Sunday or whatever it just seems like just missing one Sunday seems like a long time when we do come back like we haven't seen you for a while this time it's for two Sundays so <coughs> we will miss you I had a co-worker this week ask me what my goals are for the next year in 2024. And I hadn't thought about it. I don't know if anybody ever asked me that before. Um, generally, we think about uh, resolutions that we make. and <laughs> Most of those that I've made in the past, why I broke pretty quickly. <laughs> Some I would like adhere to but first thing that I I kind of thought about a little bit and then I said well I think I I want to eat healthy which is a good thing um, but I think beyond that this morning I was thinking of it uh, as, as a goal I think that you know I could all of us could and I could uh, force or try to force you to believe that there is a God and there are people who don't believe that there is a God and they're not afraid to say so but I, I can't force them to believe there is a God I can't manipulate you or anybody to believe that there is a God but my goal is to just remind you that there is one And it is up to you then. And everybody on the face of the earth will someday, according to Scripture, bow down. So it's good to do it now. <clears throat> I'll just give you an overview, a little bit of uh, <clears throat> what I want to speak about today, and it's Romans chapter 5. Um, I kind of, I, I like the book of Romans and there's some things that I don't understand or I, I, maybe I understand it but it's hard for me to, to uh, tell you the scripture or to preach about it or to teach. Uh, but years ago I memorized part of this chapter and so I want to just speak about that a little bit and I've entitled this Keeping the Faith and so... <clears throat> As we go down through here, I have then um, like three practical things that we can do to keep the faith. Um, I'll share them with you, then when we get to them, I'll share more about it. It is to cultivate, is the one, first one. The second one is to communicate. And the third one is our conduct. And then at the end, I have a, uh, just wanted to share with you a uh, a a question that you can ask God every day that I believe will change your life. 
It changed and is changing mine when I remember to ask God this question, okay? And keeping the faith, what am I referring to? And why is it important to keep the faith? <clears throat> is it so we look good, so I look good, or, or I am... Uh, is it something that I do to be approved of men? Is it, is it something that we do? Do we keep the faith? Let's say for like our, our culture, we have a heritage. And it seemed like, as I was growing up, that it was very important that we were taught that our heritage is, heritage is important and that we need to keep it. And it seemed like the emphasis was more on keeping the faith in our heritage than it was in uh, the living God. So what, what am I referring to when I say that we need to keep the faith? And um, why is it important? So in, in just, in a nutshell, it is so we don't lose God's gift of wholeness, his grace, justification, and the Holy Spirit. And that's a lot, of, a lot of things to talk about. Romans is so full and so rich and so uh, deep and, and is so edifying if we uh, take time to look at it and to apply things to our life and to embrace what God has given us. So I'm going to read uh, Romans 5, uh, verse 1. To eleven. That's as far as I'm going to read today. And if we don't get even to that, then well, that's all right. We can do some more later. <clears throat> Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction or access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance brings about proven character, and proven character brings about hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We read from verse 6 yet on down through 11. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his love toward us. In that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Hallelujah. And not only this, but we also rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. <clears throat> There's just so much to, to uh, even cover here. But... What I see as a whole or as a visual here of what God has given, what God gives us, if we believe in him, that is the key. If we keep the faith, if we keep believing in what he has provided for us, the visual that I give to get of what I, what I want to term this 
first five verses especially is God's gift of wholeness. And that is peace. There's one of the cards that I have received from random people since I was in the hospital. I have received in excess of 150 cards and letters, handwritten, people that are praying for my health and for us. It's amazing. So amazing. I'm so blessed. Plus, we had, I had some emails as well. Many people praying. God's gift of wholeness is what the peace that is talking about here in the first verse. And when I think of a visual, some of you know where um, Lake Tappan is, right? You've seen that, you've drove by it on Route 36, and we have a job that we're on over in Caddis currently that takes me right past Lake Tappan. And I've been past that lake before, prior to just, you know, the last month, but when you're on driving on Route 36, there's a little bit of an incline where you come up over and there's the dam and the lake. It is the most beautiful thing that I have seen as far as looking at a lake, perhaps maybe other than glacier. But the other morning, I was driving the truck to the job and I came up over that and the, the water was absolutely glass, smooth, calm, still. And, and I just looked at that for just, as I was driving, I, I just kept looking out on, on the right is where the water is. And you go drive through it. I don't know how many miles you drive past, and Matt may know, at least five or six miles right beside the, the water. And everything was absolutely, completely calm. There was no ripples in the water, and it reflected what was above, like the sky and trees. And you could see it on the surface of the water. It was that smooth. It was that awesome and beautiful. And it's a visual that I get of this complete gift of wholeness that God gives us when we believe and as we actively, continually believe in Him and trust in Him. It's so amazing. And do you know if you take one little pebble and you throw it in that smooth lake or body of water, pond, it distorts everything that is reflecting above. And if we allow things to come into our lives that does that, it does the same thing to our peace. There's ripples and there's an effect that happens in our lives. And we don't portray or we don't have that uh, reflection of God in our lives anymore. It's broken. And so there's things that we need to do to keep the faith, to keep believing. And it's so easy because we're so human. Our tendency is to walk away from God. It's just our fleshly, natural tendency. And I love that song that says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God that we love, 
Here's my heart. Oh, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. It's just something that we are tend to do is to walk away from wholeness. We're tempted to stop believing and keeping the faith. In Isaiah 48, 18, it says, Oh, that you had heeded my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. What does it mean to be justified by faith? From young, being young, boy, I have heard the same thing about what justification is, and it's no difference today. <laughs> when you are justified by believing in Christ, it means that it's just like you've never sinned. You are free from the past and the sin. Believing God, I am believing in God, I am just as if I had not sinned. We have peace with God. That in itself is so huge and is so deep and is so rich that we can have peace with God, our Creator. Peace here means wholeness. And, and it gets, it's the idea of God's gift of wholeness. And I understand physical unwholeness because I'm right in the middle of not being completely whole yet. And sometimes, maybe you don't notice it, uh, when I get really tired, I really notice that my body is not completely whole any, anymore. It's getting better slowly but I understand the physical unwholeness and I also understand God's gift of wholeness in our spiritual life and how unwhole if that's a word incomplete I was prior to believing and keeping the faith but I waver sometimes, and sometimes I am weak. Sometimes when I overdo it and I don't exercise my spirituality in Christ, I get weak. And then I fall. Today, we need to keep the faith current <clears throat> and consistent. In verse 2, he talks about access into this grace, and that's another amazing space that Christ has availed to us. He not only is grace, he not only uh, uh, makes that space where we can stand in grace, but he also is the entrance into that grace. He is the access into that grace. <clears throat> How amazing is that? This word is used uh, of the Lord's favor, freely extended to give himself away to people. And something about this word uh, has the idea that God is always leaning towards us. He's always leaning and wanting us. He's, it's like a beckoning, a, a wooing. It's constantly 
leaning towards us because he wants to give us that space. He wants to, the space that he has created that we can stand in. And this standing is not just wobbly. It is a place where you stand firm, like Daniel did in the Bible. Daniel and his three friends. What made them so uh, confident in what they believed? They were just young lads, I believe, when they went and they came into uh, Babylon. But what was the factors that made them so sure? I'm just amazed at those four Hebrew boys that they were so strong and so solid and so opposite of what I am a lot of times. If I'm faced with what they were, would I stand? (laughs) Would I be able to, without a shadow of a doubt, say, no, I ain't going to do that? Or would I think a little bit? If I could just, like, nobody would see it, I could just kind of bow down and worship this 90 feet tall statue or this thing that Nebuchadnezzar had made. Maybe if I would just, nobody would see it. And then I would go back to God. It's my tendency to believe or to to think that sometimes. But Daniel and the three Hebrew, the four Hebrew boys all together, never wavered. According to Scripture, they never wavered. They kept the faith. We are literally and constantly standing in a circle of his favor because he is always leaning towards us as long as constantly we believe him to be who who he says he is. In verse 2, then it goes on and says that uh, we have obtained this access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Rejoice in hope of the glory of God simply means the the word rejoice. I was uh, fascinated by what it what it means to have this God given confidence that we see uh, within the characters that are written in the Bible about it. And there's people that we know in our lives, friends that we know that have this God given confidence that is just. They just exude it. It is just all over them, and it's so inspiring. It's a God-given confidence, and it's living with our head up high, not in a proud, haughty way, but in a confidence (laughs) that who we believe in and that the faith that we're keeping and retaining is the answer for all of mankind's problems. What does the word hope mean? It's an expectation of what is sure, what is certain. What is the glory of God then? And I looked up some of these words. This word glory here, I didn't check it with others and, and so on through the scripture. This may, but this word means the unspoken manifestation of God. Splendor. And do you know sometimes when you feel the presence of God, it is a, a thing that you cannot explain. It is a feeling, it is a place, it is a space where God reveals himself in whatever way that is to you. If it's an impression on your heart, or if it's an impression on your mentality, or just 
It is an unspoken manifestation of God. You can't put it into words. Words are not capable of presenting in totality all of God. It is impossible. But we can sense it. We can feel, ooh, this is good. Some people are more emotional than other people, perhaps. Some are just, this is good. And some just, you know, hands fly all over. And, and, but it's real, and you can't put it into words. I'm so blessed by that. And verse 3 also uh, goes on, then it says, not only this, it's like it keeps building. And Paul says then in verse 3, not only this, but we also rejoice in our tribulations. And I don't. Do you? What kind of tribulation is he talking about here? It's, um, this re- rejoice, this word rejoice is the same one that was in verse 2 is that it's a God-given confidence and we hold our head up high and we say, this is where I'm at and this is where I'm going to stay. This is who I'm going to keep believing in our tribulation. What? Tribulation here, the word means is of a narrow place that hems someone in, especially internal pressure that causes someone to feel confined, restricted, and without options. That's not a fun place to be. That space can be terrifying. But remember, you're still, if you believe you're in that space of grace that makes it possible to stand confidently with your head up high. We hold our head up high when we find ourselves in a narrow place that makes us feel confined, restricted, and without options. Why do we do this? Why do we have confidence at a time like this because it brings about like what he says here in scripture it brings about and produces it produces perseverance what is perseverance it's a steadfastness it's a steadfastness and a remaining behind a patient enduring and I already mentioned Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego how they persevered, how they were able to stand so confidently. They were steadfast. And it's, I'm not quite sure on the, the, uh, the meaning here of remaining behind, but I did think of Daniel. So when Nebuchadnezzar had the dream, he had invited, first he went to all the soothsayers and, and all the wise people in his kingdom, didn't, uh, request Daniel to come till all everything else was all other resources were depleted and somebody told him about Daniel so he basically Daniel was remaining behind he was like a nobody he was just there because he was one of the Hebrews that was in captivity finally when he called on Daniel he had patient enduring then his dream and was interpreted, Nebuchadnezzar's dream. But it seems like this kind of lifestyle that is talking about here, about keeping the faith, sometimes it can feel like we're nobody or we're just behind. We just, looks like we don't have it, in other words. And yet down deep there's this steadfastness, this perseverance. Perseverance then produces a proven character. And how true of that in the story of Daniel. Proof of genuineness. It's uh, through testing. It's an approval that comes through testing. 
proof of genuineness, the proof of the char a proven character then produces hope in verse 4. It produces hope, which is an expectation of what is sure, what you are certain of. And it, all of these things in this particular text that I read, it speaks of this confidence that it, uh, uh, assures you that you can stand. In verse 5 it says, and this certainty does not disappoint. Like this hope, this surety, it doesn't disappoint. It doesn't disgrace. It doesn't bring shame. It doesn't put to utter confusion. It doesn't frustrate. It's solid, and it's just something that makes you a whole person, a complete person. And then that comes out as you walk and do your business and, and you live your life. People will see that there's a confidence in you and it's something that they want. There's so much opposite of this visual that I have. There's so much opposite of that that's going on in the world today. So how do we keep the faith so we don't lose God's gift of wholeness? What do we do? What are some things that we can do in a practical sense that helps us to keep the faith? Cultivate. The first one of the three, and I know there's many others. There, there could be other things and more. This is not just like a conclusive list, but cultivate. You know what the farmer does? He weeds the corn, the gardener. Uh, if you have a garden at home, if your parents had gardens, there was things that you had to keep doing in order to realize a harvest. First of all, you had to take care of the weeds. Keep God's gift of wholeness by cultivating that same faith which at first brought it. Get rid of the weeds. And I remember um, farming. I was young enough at the time when we were still farming with horses. I was 10 years old and I was not quite old enough, my dad and my older brothers told me, that I could run the cultivator with a team of horses. I was too young. I was 10 years old and I thought, I'm old, <laughs> I'm old enough. I can handle this. Because a cultivator, if you get a little bit out of where you should be, the shank that goes into the ground to dig up the weeds will get over and you hit the corn or the soybeans or whatever you're cultivating and it uproots that and you don't want to do that. But you must get rid of the weeds or it will choke out the corn. We must get rid of the weeds in our lives, whatever they may be, and you know what they are in your life. It may be different than mine. But there is weeds that will grow up in every one of our lives all the time. It's coming up and trying to kill us. It's trying to choke us. Satan has come to kill and to steal and to destroy, and he is relentless, and he keeps doing it, and there's always little things that sprout up that can choke out faith. So you've got to get rid of those things. Take the cultivator and uproot them. Next thing we need to do in a practical sense is to communicate. We need to talk, listen, and hear God. Read his word. Read his word and then ask him, what does that mean, God? Just have a conversation with him. It's a practical thing that you can do, and he wants to tell you. 
Hallelujah. He wants to talk to us. It's a relationship. It's not a religion. Talk, listen and hear God, read his word, visit, chat, have a conversation. And here's what I want you to do every morning, every day, sometime during the day. Ask God this question. And I believe without any doubt that it will change your life. And you ask him this question. How do you want to make yourself known to me today? There's variations of that question. I wrestle with it and see how I wanted to word it. How do you want to make yourself known to me today? And it kind of, uh, maybe the first day, because if you've never done it, then you think, well, nothing happened today. I'm not going to pray that tomorrow. But it's, it, it kind of shifts your focus off of yourself in a way that opens yourself to God's voice. And it may be just little things. And you'll think about it. Oh, you know what? I prayed that prayer this morning. Now I see something, maybe reading scripture, or maybe something was impressed to you on listening to the radio or not CNN like Biola suggested we don't listen to. But do you listen to? You just have, you're always listening. And it and gets you in a place where you start to listen for those little things that God is sharing with you. And he'll change you. How do you want to make yourself known to me today? Growth doesn't happen just because God touches us. All right? Growth in our lives doesn't happen just because God touches us, but because we respond to that touch by allowing him to grow in us. When he touches you, you'll know it. And you need to respond. We need to respond to that touch by allowing him to grow in us. Conduct is the third one that I want to share with you. I'm about finished here. We'll just close early today. Conduct. Let your conduct be such as will not disturb your peace with God. And not only the peace with God. It's this wholeness, this picture of complete calm wholeness that Christ gives us because we believe. It's all of these things that are written here between verse 1 and verse 5. Stop doing. Sometimes God will reveal things to you that you're doing. There's a reason why he reveals those things to you. Stop doing it, whatever that is. Stop going to that place, to this place. Stop going there. If you feel like God is impressing on your heart that maybe you shouldn't go that way because it makes provision for the flesh. Stop going that way. God is speaking to you. It's your conduct that he wants to change. Stop saying that. (laughs) Stop doing and stop going and stop saying that, whatever it is that God is impressing on you. Sometimes God, in a way, does speaks to me. It's just like an impression that... Maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. There's a reason why you feel that. So explore it and ask God, well, what what do you mean? Just talk to him in a conversation that you can understand. Say, well, God, what, what are you saying here? I feel like you're impressing on my heart something that I should start doing 
or stop doing or stop going or start going this place or that place. What, what are you talking about? What are, why do I get these feelings, God? Just talk to him. And listen for his response. There is no possibility of God's gift of wholeness lasting when I am in rebellion against him. You see, sometimes I have this problem that when God speaks or I have this impression on my heart that I feel like he's speaking and I totally disregard it. That's rebellion. And I do that sometimes because I feel like, eh, I don't know. Or maybe it seems too heavy to, to embrace and to carry what he's asking of me. And then I lose that peace. It starts to have that ripple that you see on water when you throw a pebble in, into the lake or the, in the pond and it distorts everything that it reflects on top. And that's what happens to our lives when we rebel against what God is impressing on our hearts, on our lives. <coughs> Keep the faith. The faith that I'm talking about here is that which you have received from God because you believed. In that moment when you believed, when you became born again, was the beginning of this here. What we are afforded, what we are given at that moment when we believed is peace, grace, and the space to stand in that grace, that place. And not only that, the proven character that comes from the tribulation and we stand and we endure and hope. And the underlying thing of this whole wholeness, God's gift of wholeness, we can have because he loves us. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. In verse 5, I can only speak for myself, but it seems like I have just began to know a little bit about the extravagant love of God. And I'm, in some of your eyes, I'm old. <laughs> in verse 8, it talks about his love towards us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. And all of these blessings and, and, and this wholeness that he's speaking about here, we can have on a daily basis, according to verse 10. We have been reconciled and we shall be saved by his life because he continues to live, we also live. And God bless you today. Make the new year a blessed, uh, make goals or, or, or I don't know. I just, I know that making resolutions for me has really never worked, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't for you. <laughs> 
keep this faith that I'm talking about. Walk in that calmness, that serenity that is so whole and so complete. I don't know how to put it in words. It's like God is saying, just believe and trust me. And so, God, I thank you today for your word. Thank you for just this complete wholeness picture that I see in, in uh, this chapter 5 of Romans. And even though I'm unable to articulate and to communicate what is written here, in some way, Lord, help us to just, I just pray the Holy Spirit will take what's been said and, and, and reveal something to all of us today. Something that I'm not able to put into words. None of us can put into words, but that depth and that love and that place, that space where we have because of Christ and what he has done for us. Even while we were sinners, you loved us, and we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen.